Many people don't get what they want from what they do. Not from their jobs, sometimes not their families, the government, their religion, and most importantly, not themselves. In our culture, something's missing. Part of what is missing is purpose, values, worthwhile standards against which our lives can be measured. The unexamined life is not worth living, and that was said by Socrates about 2,000 years ago. I think it's correct. If you don't examine your life, you most likely will scramble about seeking distraction in media, people's approval, drugs, shallow things. The thing that drives me to do this show and much of what I do is to try and influence people to start believing themselves by firstly starting to think for themselves. I want to learn from people who seem to be on a similar path of self-discovery in business, leadership, relationships, education, mental health and physical health and more. If we can really start to take our life seriously, I mean like as if we're not coming back, as if this is all we're guaranteed of in this life, then we really start listening and really want to examine what life is all about. Happiness is not in the goal. The happiness is in the struggle to get to the goal. I love that. You're listening to The Examine Life with Matt Purcell. This episode is brought to you by Fast Fuel and Civil Sydney. Now, I like to mention certain services and businesses and individuals and ideas because it's important that we're made aware of certain things that can benefit our projects, our lives, our goals. For me, being a business owner with many staff and being a family man with kids and my wife and things are always on the go. Like one of the things that gets compromised, especially in my own life, is the ability to sit down and cook a nutritious, healthy meal. Because fast food is pretty much just chef prepared meals made fresh to order that are restaurant quality. So they're made by chefs. It's all been designed by a full-time dietitian and award-winning chefs. And if you're paleo, if you're vegan, if it's nut-free or dairy-free, they have all those options on their side. And it's a convenient model, so it gets delivered to your door or delivered to your business. Fast is a holistic company. They really want to help families, individuals, and companies become better versions of themselves. And they've just opened up in Sydney, and they'll be producing 400 to 500,000 meals per week to be delivered to your door or to your company. Because I love Fast Fuel so much, I've been able to arrange a 20% off discount for you. If you go to fastfuelmeals.com.au, that's fastfuelmeals.com.au, and select whatever meals you want, type in at the end of the checkout my promotional code. So if you go in capital letters, Matty, P 20 then you'll get 20% off on all your orders. So go to fastfuelmeals.com.au and test it out for yourself because it will change your life and it will really help your family and your health. Mark Boris is a powerful man and I don't like looking at people just at what they do. I'm really into examining their motive and their holistic side of life. What I can see and what I read of Mark and what I've known of what he's contributed to Australia is he's all about trying to find solutions to people's problems in the area of finance because we know that finance really affects your options in life. He runs a company called Yellow Brick Road that offer financial advice, financial services, lending and mortgages. It's fantastic and he was also known for Wizard Home Loans which was the second largest lending group apart from the major banks in Australia. He's being acknowledged by the government for his contribution to the finance industry and right now his recent project is mentoring and in this episode he's going to really unpack his ideas ideas of mentorship, his aims for maybe starting a global mentorship program. He has a website that I want you to go to, it's called mentor.com.au. It's not just a website, it's a community of official mentors that he's actually assigned to answer your questions about business. And this is his starting point, I think, for offering Australians and even the world an option to be held accountable. 
I think that's something that's very lost in our society. Someone who can ask you questions and hold you to your aims and help you get from where you are to where you want to go. So make sure you go to that mentored.com.au. Now, without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Mark Boris. This morning we have Mr. Mark Boris. Good to meet you, mate. Thanks for coming Good in. Good to see you, Matt. You're a fascinating guy, Mark. Um, it seems like in your time of life right now, you really wanted to give back. You know, look, watching the show and hearing your podcast, you're really, really trying to get on the ground floor and helping businesses out. Um, would, that, would you say that's accurate right now? The, the intention is that the real, the broader intention, Matt, is I'm trying to start a, I'd like to start a global movement of uh, mentorship. Wow. Love so that. I think that mentorship already exists in uh, sort of bits and pieces around the world. So mm-hmm. people around the world are always mentoring somebody. Young people are mentoring their friends that were young people that were their mates or sometimes young people mentoring older people. A lot of older people mentor young people. Yeah. But we don't sort of formalize it nor do we put a tag on it. And in some cases, we, my view, we don't do it properly. Mm. We could do it maybe a little irresponsibly, but with all the good intentions in the world. Mm. So I think that if we could somehow corral all the best parts of mentorship and formalize it, um, mm. we could have a very good global mentorship program going for adults to young, younger people, uh, from people in business to other people in business, from people who are in business to people aspiring to be in business, dare I say it, from banks who are sort of competent hard at the moment to borrowers, yeah, mentoring borrowers, wow. potential borrowers, tell mm. them how they can borrow in the future, mm. as opposed to just saying, no, you can't borrow today. Yeah, just yes or no. It's like yeah, it means it's not, I mean, all that leads to is disappointment and disaffection. So if mm. um, somehow a bank could say, "Look, you don't qualify at the moment, but I'm going to show you how you do will qualify in the future," a bit mm. like the old school banker used to do, mm. like thirty, forty years ago, bank managers used to do that. So mentorship as a concept, global concept, trying to help individuals and small businesses with a view to increasing productivity with a view to uh, galvanising our small business community, not only here in Australia, but also globally, with a view to making the world a happier place. Yeah, yeah, you're really big on happiness, eh? Happiness. I, I kind of have the philosophy that um, life by itself, if you're just born into this world, it's by default not happy. You know, like by default, people suffer. By default, childbirth is suffering. Work, the sweat of our brow, you know, things struggle, people struggle. Um, do you think happiness is kind of like achieved? Like we have to, it's not automatic, right? In your in mm. your view? Well, I think suffering is part of happiness. So mm. we don't know to be happy unless we suffer. Yeah. There's like nothing that. wrong with suffering. Uh, mm. And what I mean by suffering, I don't mean sort of, you know, someone torturing you or whatever. I mean, yeah, that, that's a problem. But <laughs> what I mean by that is uh, putting in effort, having some setbacks, but with a goal towards achieving a goal. Mm. And... Happiness is not in the goal. The happiness is in the struggle to get to the goal. I love that. Um, So, you know, we need to understand it's quite important to to struggle and to stress out and to manage and to understand ourselves, how we we respond during those periods and what we learn from that about ourselves. I mean, and, and my view on happiness is, it's not really a destination. I, I, my view on happiness is you just have to be happy enough. Mm-hmm. And happy enough means everyone's different, but happy enough just means happy enough to be doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are just happy 
getting up in the morning and going to work and coming home at night and watching telly, well, that's fine too. Yeah. That's happy enough for them. Um, wouldn't suit me, but doesn't really matter. It doesn't mean I'm better than anybody or they're worse than me or whatever. I'm, or I'm crazy or I'm driven or I'm, you know, all that stuff people like to say about individuals like me, I guess. But uh, I'm happy enough doing what I'm doing. And mm. that's all that matters. And in that process, you must be prepared to suffer. That's right. Let's go back a little bit. People see you now as a successful businessman and, you know, you run your TV show and you've done great things. Where did you start? But what was your family life like? Were you born into wealth? Because a lot of people might not know that story. No, I'm definitely not born into wealth. Working class family. That means my family worked for their living. Um, and not always did Dad have a job. He, he was dependent upon the economy, so sometimes when there was a recession, Dad would lose his job. Mm. Dad was a, um, um, a migrant, came to Australia, largely uneducated, worked in a factory for most of his life, worked his way up the factory, but started off as a labourer there, um, yeah, and not and an unskilled labourer at that. Um, so my family life, though, was quite stable. Um, I had good parents, good good family generally and broader family with very good support uh, across the board what would your school teacher say in high school what was mark boris like in high school was he um, um probably was he around a bit or... no, someone would say different things uh <laughs> i think it comes down to whether someone likes you or not uh yeah well the, the way they the view of them and where they can relate to you so some of my teachers probably thought i was a cheeky bastard uh <laughs> um and often couldn't concentrate um, in school, uh, not good at focusing, um, and always mucking around. Others might say I was talented, um, yeah. academically talented, uh, but maybe that's because they like me. So if you like <laughs> someone, you'll find something good about them. If you don't really like someone because of the personality clash, you might find something bad about them. <laughs> so I, dep- I think it depends on who you talk to, because I, I do remember some teachers didn't like me at all, and some teachers really liked me a lot, and... Uh, mm. Maybe I was a bit polarizing in that regard. Um, I went to Catholic school, little Catholic school in uh, Lakemba. Yeah. Uh, then later on in Bankstown uh, to finish my school off. Um, I got on very well with the headmasters, as I recall, both schools. Um, there were some teachers I clashed with heavily, and some of it, by the way, was because I might not like them. Yeah. I had a personality clash. Mm-hmm. So, and I tended to do better in things where I liked the teacher. If I liked the teacher, I did well. If I didn't like the teacher, I just goofed out. That's interesting. That's fascinating. And in high school, did you have an interest in business? Did your did your family influence you in that direction? Or not really? I mean, I, I, I well, I didn't know what business was to be honest with you, Matt. I, I think as a concept, uh, mm. I understood the importance of a transaction and and commerce, mm. making a dollar. Um, that was not necessarily something my family taught me, but something I observed. And um, and to some extent, something me and my brother and sister were made to do. Like we were made to work from age of fourteen. So you know we had to go and what did we earn? We put back into to the household budget, mum, mum and dad's budget. So well, that's awesome. Yeah. So you know, my mum used to, my mum and dad made me go and work in the factory. Dad worked at, which is just at the back of our house mm. where we lived. So there was our house and there was the factory, and uh, it was a big, big, factory, huge factory. So you know, I was working there from the age of. 15 i recall and uh in the school holidays in, in particular the whole school holidays I, I gave all my money to mum whatever i earned i gave to my mother mm. and uh and with that she bought um a piece of furniture 
I remember, I remember the sort of like a, I don't know what you call it, a thing which was like a display cabinet, and they had bits and pieces in there. So I remember I bought that. Um, I pay for that, or larger pay for it. <laughs> so yeah, so I didn't get to talk about business, um, and there's no concept of business to me in my mind. But I didn't understand the importance of transacting. So I knew that if I could make something and make it valuable to someone else I could sell it to them yeah and I did do that a few times at school sold stuff at school that I made at home I, I was talking to a student that I've actually been mentoring back in Newcastle and he came to me he's like I've got this idea for a t-shirt you know business I'm like oh, great so what's your plan he's like well mum's gonna you know give me a loan you know and you know I'm gonna um print it you know and print my design on it and I'm gonna sell it for X amount and he didn't realise that he's got 1,300 kids in his school. Yeah, and a business just can't go to the school and just advertise their T-shirts. And uh, so he started taking advantage of, you know, like bringing his T-shirt to school, marketing to market. school. And um, he's made a truckload of cash in year 10. Yeah, so it's, it's, really, it's really actually a great opportunity at schools for young people. Totally. To hear this. They sh- and you should try everything out. Like I did it just to see if it would work. I, I, remember, I remember it distinctly. I just wanted to see if people would buy this thing. They liked it. They just wanted to see if I, they would buy it and whether I could... What I liked the idea of is once they bought it, so I thought, well, then they'll buy tea off me, which means I can always sell tea, and mm. tea's cheap. And, you know, and I could sell it for each section of tea, each packet of tea I could sell it for more than I was buying it for. So I was just taking the tea out of the stuff that mum bought and putting little plastic <laughs> bags and selling it. That's great. That's awesome. Um, until I got closed down. Until, I mean, I can see why um, you had some mixed... Uh, Mixed reputation amongst teachers. Probably didn't think it was tea. One it looked a bit suspicious. They didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, um, in the 21st century, we've got a lot of social media influences. We've got uh, technology. I was just talking to a friend just only just a second ago. My good cameraman here, actually. Um, he's a photographer. And the quality of camera phones, for example, in this industry um, is amazing. You know, really leveling the playing field for quality and content creating, and it's making someone who couldn't afford a camera being able to get in the game. How do you rise above the 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 quality margin, like the average, when when the quality is going up? Like, how, what makes someone stand out? Good question. So, <clears throat> I think your question. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm. is your question to me with the the mobile cam- phone camera or the smart device cameras? How do you compete against the disruption mm. of everybody becoming an Uber camera user? That's right. Yeah. How do you start? Uh, just be better than everybody else, I guess. Um, when we take photographs, so your cameraman over here is madly clicking away at the moment. Um, he presumably sells his photos to yeah, somebody. He shoots and yeah. yeah so and... therefore, he does. He needs commercial people to people like you people to retain him or give him a job yeah and the biggest the question is is there a risk that you might not employ him or retain him because you might just say oh bugger this i'll just use my phone i'll take the photographs and mark myself Mm. save myself whatever i'm paying him Mm. um the question then comes down to uh does your cameraman now your photography here does he have the ability to to add value more value to your business by the photos that he takes relative to the photos you might take on the on the phone Mm -hmm. and 
how do you quantify that? How do you quantify the value that your cameraman might have? Well, he has to do that. And, for example, if he has a reputation in wherever, Newcastle, Sydney, wherever it is, as being a photographer that puts on great exhibitions or is someone that gets a better shot mm. or a more candid shot than, say, you can with your, with your mobile phone, mm. um, then he can add value to your business, which means you will retain him. Now, whether or not you're going to retain him at the same price that you would ordinarily pay him, because now you've got this, it becomes a marginal utility discussion. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, the, that whole concept of marginal utility, that whole concept of marginal utility, he must understand that. And what margin can he now charge for the extra utility that he gives to you as a result of you retaining him as opposed to using a mobile phone? Mm. And he has to display that to you. He has to show it to you, has to demonstrate to you, has to live it, and he has to um, uh, perform it. Otherwise, he will get disrupted and his whole industry will disappear. Mm. So what it does mean to me, what it tells me is that people who are at the margin, at the margin, will will get uh, sort of wiped out by this new phenomenon of mobile phones are being really good quality, in which case everybody can take a photograph. Mm. Especially now with all the filters and all the stuff you can start to use to play around with your photograph, yeah, you shop yeah. your photo. So he has to go one level extra. He has to become much, much better at what he does. But not only that, he has to demonstrate to you how he is much, yes, much yeah. better at what he does. And not only that, he has to show to you, it's not some sort of airy-fairy thing that he's doing. It has to be something that is extra utility to you. Mm. Of, of he is of greater use to you outside the margin mm, that's awesome it's a great opportunity with business there too with with the future of careers i mean i was on um linkedin the other day and the amount of jobs that popped up for social media you know <laughs> people was just unlike anything we've seen for totally because everybody i have to say to you as well like like social media is like a job so i mean like to do it properly you can't just be Taking a picture and putting up on your Instagram or and your Facebook and and or other places which you might be you might use LinkedIn putting up articles etc. Social media is because you know what, as soon as you do that you get people who then come back to you and ask a question they want to come and talk to you and you know you get a lot of feedback mm. and you can't just leave the feedback to do nothing. Yeah, I mean, and if you're the business person like you are in, in your podcast, you can't do everything. So mm. we've just employed a full time social media person at um, Mentor. Yeah, because I just can't possibly answer all the questions. I, I and or all the offers of pitching and etc. And, and or just I just can't resp- reply to everything. So we've had to go and get someone who can do that. So mm-hmm. Social media is uh, it's a new job creator. It's great, mm-hmm. and 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 there is a new job out there, a new employee out there called a social media um, organizer. I mean, they're just <laughs> organizers. They need to organize stuff. Yeah, and that's could, the thing that people have this misconception that it's just taking a photo or no, no, no. putting content. It's follow-up. It's not that. Yeah, it's follow-up. It's follow-up and, and categorizations and sort of saying, you know, oh, Matt sent me a note. I wonder how I can leverage that or how, or just how, do, how can I be polite so I protect my brand or how do I reply to him without, one, offending him, but also without sort of taking up too much of my time. Is he a time waster? Is he some weird stalker? Mm. What's the deal? Yeah, you need this filter process and this organisation process around social media. That's all awesome. really important. That's great. It's great. There's new business arising. So, 
you know, the people who were the cameramen before who were at the margin who will get overtaken by the mobile phone and the use of mobile phones by people like you might end up becoming a social media organiser mm. and start trying to reskill. Yeah, and it's a, um, would you say it's a vital part of business today, right? It's just like essential. It's imp- totally right? important. Like it's, it's, it's a non-negotiable now. And whether and and it's not just does you know people sell Facebook, it's everything: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and any other. Maybe not Snapchat, but like mm. everything else, and whatever else comes up in the future. So there'll be changes. There'll be something new come through, and you're gonna have to know what it is. And someone's gonna have to be on the ground, ready to do it as soon as the moment it comes in. Mm. It's quite a job, you know. Like you do something, you post something. Now you have to post it three or four times on three or four different platforms. Yeah, yeah. and the three or four different platforms have different different readers, different subscribers. They want a different outcome. LinkedIn's different than Instagram. Mm, very, very. So you've got to you've got to be able to handle all that, and that that requires someone with expertise and skill and full time. Yeah, full time. Right now, you might be listening. You might be building something, constructing something like a project, and hiring equipment can be daunting. I know that in New South Wales, there's a great business called Civil Sydney. They're great friends of mine, and they've been around for a couple of dozen years. And when you're thinking about construction, where do you go to hire things? If you just want it for a day or you need it for months, I know these guys do it across the state of New South Wales. If it's civil, industrial, commercial, or residential projects, they have their design and certification for all the works. But I can't recommend Civil Sydney enough, especially if you're in the middle or you're thinking about preparing for construction and anything of those civil industrial or commercial projects so check out their stuff at civilsydney.com and their instagram civil sydney and their facebook civil sydney and make mention when you call them that you listen to this podcast one of my roles is mentoring young people and young adults and it's amazing how a lot of these a lot of problems arise when someone's not accountable to someone like they're i guess when were you first mentored officially or in an unofficial way because i know that's a term that's fairly New now, officialising yeah. it, but yeah, I, I, um, look, m- m- mentorship takes in different sort of forms. So it can be just mere guidance. Mm. Um, and I got guidance from teachers at school and football coaches and mm. um, uncles and aunties and all sorts of things. So I, I guess if if you mean by mentorship, mere guidance, um, life guidance, guidance in life. Um, um, it go, for me, it goes right back to when I was a kid at school. So I was lucky to have some teachers, or football coaches especially, who uh, guided me. And it was more, no, they weren't mm. telling me what to do, but more by observation. I was watching what they do and, mm. you know, and how they influence my community, my group. And I would sort of, sort of copy that. Unwittingly, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just watching, you know, monkey see, monkey do. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. If you're asking me, if you mean, and I think the next category of mentorship is uh, that category where it's not goes beyond guidance, becomes advice. Yeah. Um, and there are lots of people around who want to give you advice. Um, they feel an obligation to give you advice. Um, so I obviously experienced that. Again, it was with family and teachers. But to be honest with you, uh, that's when I'm le- I was le- less likely to pay attention. So guidance through observation, I think that's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Advice through people offering you advice is less powerful because uh, I tended to it's reject not always wanted it either. Totally, and then if, especially when you're younger, you tend to say, oh, 
don't fucking tell me what to do, you know? Like, uh, yeah. it was like that. Advice can come in that form. I'm telling you what to do. Yeah. Not, you know, someone like me, I would likely reject that. I think the third form of mentorship is probably the most powerful. And to be frank with you, it's the, it's what I mean by the global mentorship movement. And it starts in two parts. It, it, it is in two parts. And it starts off with someone asking you questions. Yeah. So, um, someone questioning if they're appointed you appoint them or you know it's a formal arrangement i don't mean in terms of dollars you know you all both understand that you someone is coming to see you for them to be asked questions by you sure you being the mentor ask questions that that's the first part of it the second part of it is keep them accountable for the answers hmm. so a mentorship movement for me in a perfect world would be one which had all three layers but really importantly, has that powerful layer of the mentor asking you questions and keeping you accountable to the answers and doing it regularly. Yeah, that's amazing. And I've seen that. You've shown that through the show a lot, actually. Yeah, me, I'm about, I'm about putting it to them, saying, well, what about this? How are you going to fix that? What do you think about that? Mm. A lot of um, some business owners would have a little glimpse of it when they go see just recently with their tax return and see their accountant. You know, why did you spend that? Where are you doing that? Totally. And yeah. that's, that's a form of mentorship. But, I mean, I, I, there's no right or wrong answer to the questions, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's no right or wrong questions. The point is there are questions. And it's about getting people to think yeah. for themselves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can, if they don't know the answer, you can, if you think you know the answer, you can offer an opinion. It's not advice. It's just an opinion. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, people who are being mentored must find the answers out for themselves yeah and questions examine and the question is about oh that's your answer what about this then Mm -hmm. have you thought about that how long will it take what's your plan can you afford it do can you execute on it do you have the the uh you know the mental ability to execute upon it do you have the backing to do it do you have the skills to do it then those sort of questions yeah what i love from a few of the episodes of the mentor season one is um, how some of these questions you've asked actually drew to the surface these answers of a lot of people are alone. Mm. They feel that no one knows they're drowning in, in, in anxiety or stress or debt or something like that. So how the hell are you meant to fix the problem or, or you know, the death is going to be inevitable for that business or that you know, life? So and You've got to get them to admit it. So a yeah. lot of times fixing a problem is about admitting the issue straight up and you've got to get someone to put the question to you because if you go and you know i go and see some people about their businesses and uh 90 of the time they never want to tell you about the problems they just want to tell you what's good about the business you know why it's a great opportunity and blah, blah. it's like they're making a pitch to me well look i'm not an investor so i'm not looking for your pitch and i'm not your family so or one of your cheer squad so don't don't treat me that way Oh, you you put up what you want to put up, but now I'm going to, then after that I'm going to put to you the questions that I think are important. Mm. And until they get asked those questions, a lot of these people never really think about their business properly, in my view. Mm. Um, it's not all rosy. I mean, you're right. Stress, like just um, personality and characteristics and emotions, they're, they're they're things that form a big part of business a huge part of business it's not about numbers and sales it is it's not just about numbers and sales and brand and it's also about your character yeah. are you the right person to be in business yeah maybe you shouldn't be in business yeah you know, maybe you should be just get a job nothing wrong with that <clears throat> you know, or, or 
if you if you are the way you are, if you want to be in a success in your business, you need to change how you look at things mm. and become a little bit like this, as opposed to that way. You mm. know, and it doesn't mean making you more driven. It means accepting that your personality is a certain way, but in order to be successful in the business, you have to change yourself into a business personality. It's funny how um, just what you described there, how most people like to say the rosy stuff about their business, that actually can be personified in a lot of people's talk about themselves. Totally. You know, they neglect the problems and neglect the struggles. And I see problems as a bill, you know, like you... You get a bill at a certain size in, in context to whatever you've gone through, and the more you ignore the bill, grows bigger and bigger and bigger. Interest. interest. Yeah, interest. yeah the interest. problems have interest. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like that. Um, they compound. They that, compound. That's right, and it can become a really big. It can turn into Godzilla. And know, as yeah. well, Albert Einstein said, Albert Einstein said, the most powerful force in the world today is the power of compound. And what he meant by that is. Uh, the mathematical sense of compounding. So if it's $10 and it's compounding at 2%, so it's $12 at the end of the year, then if it's compounding 2%, so it's 2% on $12, which is uh, you know, uh, uh, two, two, 2.4, so then it's, which is 14.4, which is then it's 2% on 14.4. So it's compounding at a rate faster than you ever expected. And before long, it's doubled. Hmm. Seven years has doubled. So that, force of compounding whether it's in an emotions or mistakes or business because business is just a word it's just a business is just the a, a, a confluence of individuals ideas and transactions yeah that's all business is love that and they just put one word across the whole lot yeah umbrella to be yeah a... but business is all about relationships and emotions you know and and interactions um which you know we call transactions but these just interactions so it's no different in your, in your personal life. You mentioned something really important there. Maybe business isn't for everybody. I mean, there's, there's people who are technicians who are really good at what they do, but they're not good managers. There's great managers who aren't very good at being entrepreneurial, thinking about vision and stuff like that. What would you say to someone who's thinking about doing business, they've got all these great ideas? What's your advice on teasing that out? So ensuring that they're not going to get themselves in big trouble down the line to try to discover who they are more? Always keep your day job and work on the big ideas after that. They're not necessarily at night, but I mean like you work on it on the weekend or work on it at night or work on it in your spare time until you're convinced that the idea and the revenue from the idea can replace your day job. Because mm-hmm. the thing you're risking all the time is, is revenue or the, the income from exerting yourself personally in whatever form that is. So you might be a plumber, and you might be making it fifteen hundred bucks a week, working for forty hours, um, and you might have this great idea about a new app that sort of um, uh, builds a marketplace of plumbers and, mm. and consumers. Keep plumbing because that skill and that experience is really important for the app because you understand the marketplace. Do that other stuff at night and the day. Maybe you can drop down to four days a week, three days a week, and an idea or two days a week, one day a week, and then one day you're doing five days a week on your new app. Hmm. <laughs> but don't leave your day job just to pursue an idea. That's, That's my brilliant. view. Yeah. Always keep your day job because you need cash flow. Mm. And uh, don't get caught up in this, oh, I'm going to stop everything today, I'm going to start uh, running this new thing. Because it, you know, what ordinarily happens is that you run out of money yeah. in the new idea. 
And just one last question attached to that. There's that capacity, like protecting your revenue and all that. But how about the he- mental health side of, well, you might be able to say you did that, you transitioned into your new app and new idea, but you're finding you're juggling so many balls now that you never juggled before because you were just a worker. Yeah. Well, it's really, I, I think most people don't understand how complex being in business is mm, because yeah. you're doing everything. When you're working as a plumber, for example, you know, you're working for somebody else or you might be working on a building site, somebody else is dealing with all that sort of stuff. Mm. And uh, until you experience this working for yourself, you've got no idea and, and it will get into your mental health. So that's where you have to be pretty sure of your resilience. And the best way to be resilient in, in a business sense is to experience all these things mm. over time, build a resilience. Oh, let me put it another way. Let's say you wanted to... You're swimming in the middle of summer at the beach. The water's 19 degrees, and the outside temperature is 35 degrees. It's a pleasant environment. Go for a swim. Perfect. Then if someone says to you, oh, look, I'd like you to swim in the middle of winter. The water's 9, 12 degrees. The outside air is 7 degrees, 8 degrees. Mm-hmm. You'll jump in the water, and what will happen is you'll lose your breath because as you, the cold water, your body's not used to it. The blood vessels will move away from your lung very quickly. And as a result of that, no matter how much you breathe, you don't take in the oxygen because you don't have the blood vessels in your lung because it's all retreated back to your heart because of the cold water. Mm. A way that you deal with that is you acclimate yourself. So a way that would be better to deal with that would be every day from the hottest day in December until the coldest day in July, you go for a swim. And every single day, your body becomes a bit more acclimated to the cold weather so you don't go from 19 degree water to 10 degree water yeah it's a big jump. you go little by little by little now on one hand someone would say you're resilient to the cold water as a result of doing that mm. you've just all you've been doing is acclimating you're acclimatizing your body to the environment yeah in business is the same thing you need to acclimatize yourself to all the things you're going to get exposed to from being an employee becoming the proprietor and you need to do it slowly don't rush it just Mm -hmm. like i would say don't rush going from warm water to freezing cold water otherwise you will lose your breath Mm. and something could happen that's brilliant well mark thanks so much for your time can we please check out www.mentor the mentor or mentor well it's my podcast it's the it's on podcast1.com.au, and it's called Mark Boris the Mentor. Or if you go to our website, it's called mentored.com.au, mentored with an ED. And that's a great place for community, so people yep. can come across um, professionals of all sizes and awards. Ask questions, like. it's free, and someone will, will, will attempt to answer the questions. I've appointed 60 mentors who answer the questions for free. Brilliant. Thanks so much for your time today, Mark. Good champ. Guys, thanks for listening to the episode. Now listen, if you're thinking about starting a business, I really want you to listen up because 90% of businesses shut down in its first year. It's very tough and it's because of many things, maybe because you don't have a good business plan. And I really want to highlight one program. It's designed by the Telstra Business Award winner of the year, Jordan Walsh. This program is called Build a Business Program and is by far the most advanced program I've ever seen. It's got 12 modules over 200 videos, over 70 resources and templates to download. And throughout each module, it has a built-in interactive business plan that prompts you. So the prompting is just so intuitive. So when you add something to it, at the end of the course, you will have a full business plan to refer to. This is so, so vital to be able to show the bank, to be able to show future investors 
that what your plan is and you've really thought about it very deeply and you've got it very specific. The plan caters for all different learning styles, so tutorials, videos, examples, because I know I've got short attention span and time is poor. So here is the site. Go to iconicgrowth.com.au slash build a business program. Check it out. I think it's free right now just to have a little look into it. And I know you will just be blown away. I'm absolutely blown away with how intuitive and how specific and how much investment has gone into this program. It is so generous and you will absolutely take your business to the next level. So go to that and please visit my website, www.mattpersell.com for more resources and, and things that I do. I've got a new book out. I'd love you to check it out on mental health and we'll see you next time for an episode with The Examine Life. Thanks again.